You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. So God's future and hope for us is salvation. That means new life, a new start. God's future and hope for us is transformation. That means a new family, a new lifestyle, a new groove. Look at your neighbor and say a new groove. God's future and hope for us is sanctification. It means a new purpose. Parenting is simultaneously one of the greatest privileges and one of the most difficult challenges you can experience. As a parent, you provide for your child's needs, often at a great cost to yourself, because you have a vision for his or her future. Well, you are God's child. He's provided for you and has a vision for your future. Listen today as Pastor Dion reveals some of that vision, starting with experiencing a new life and a new start through the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ's death on the cross. Now here's Pastor Dion in the book of Luke chapter 18 with today's edition of The Simple Truth. Well, guys, loving parents have hopes and dreams for their children. They really do. Loving parents have hopes and dreams for the children. They want them to grow and mature and do well for themselves. And parents don't just hope and dream. They invest. Everybody say it. They invest in their kids. In fact, the Department of Agriculture just released the new numbers. It now costs... $233,610 to raise a child from birth to 18 years old. Holy smoke. Go ahead and say it. What? Holy smoke. If that's the case, someone needs to write a new country song. You know what I mean? Mamas, don't let your babies grow up to be muppies. Don't let them have cell phones and sleep until noon. Put them to work. Teach them that life's not a cartoon, right? That's the case. Look at your neighbor and say, that's the case. So almost a quarter of a million dollars for each kid. And that isn't counting the blood, sweat, and tears that's also involved. You know, the sleepless nights, days missed from work, and even... It doesn't count the lot you buy next door because your kids come back. You know what I'm saying? That dollar amount isn't counting the values and the vision and the ethics and the etiquette, the encouragement and the effort. It's not counting the respect and the responsibility that's instilled in our kids. So the investment is a big chunk of change. Look at your neighbor and just nod at him. It is. The investment is a big chunk of change, but to us parents, it's worth every cent. It's worth every tear. And it's worth every sacrifice. We want our children to excel, to achieve. We want them to succeed. Did you know that God feels the same way about you? God feels the same way about us. 
He has a future and a hope for us. And this future and hope is these three things. Let's read them out loud. It is what? Salvation, transformation, and sanctification. So God has this dream, hope for us, for our future. And it involves, say them again, salvation, transformation, and sanctification. In fact, here's the verse. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Read it with me. Even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. This is what He wanted to do, and it gave Him great pleasure. Wow. So God's future and hope for us is salvation. That means new life. A new start. God's future and hope for us is transformation. That means a new family. A new lifestyle. A new groove. Look at your neighbor and say a new groove. God's future and hope for us is sanctification. It means a new purpose. So God has that future and hope. Our Heavenly Father spared no expense, much more than a quarter of a million dollars, to secure those three things for us. He gave up His only Son. I mean, He employed countless missions, missionaries, and ministries to reach us. If you think about all the things, churches, pastors, places, television programs, everything that God has done, it would amount to a huge dollar amount. Way over a quarter of a million dollars. Just to bring us salvation, transformation, and sanctification. Everybody say, wow. God loves us that much. So let me tease out each of these things that God plans and hopes for our future. The first thing is salvation. Everybody say it out loud. What is it? Salvation. Listen, everyone needs salvation because we're all born with the nature of sin. In fact, David confirmed this in Psalm 51.5. Here's what it says. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. David wasn't saying that his mom was a flusy, alright? And that that's how he was conceived in sin. David was explaining that sin is passed down in our DNA. The first couple, Adam and Eve, sinned and passed down the nature of sin. Passed it down to everyone. Look at your neighbor and say, that includes you. We are the official Adam's family, if you know what I mean. Now, the TV family might be creepy and kooky, mysterious and spooky, but we are dead, dark, depraved, and devilish. That's why God said, there is none righteous. 
No, not one. That's why Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil. And that's why the apostle Paul said, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And if that's not enough to convince you, take a long, hard look at the natural evidence that everyone has a nature of sin. No one teaches infants to be stingy, selfish, jealous, demanding, and manipulative. That stuff comes factory installed. And no one teaches teenagers to be rebellious, disrespectful, sarcastic, and arrogant. That software comes pre-installed. Once they turn 13, our little Charles becomes Chucky. And our dear sweet Anna becomes Annabelle. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know why we act so surprised. They didn't turn evil at 13. They were already evil. Or sometimes some of us adults do something stupid, illegal, immoral, and then we say, I don't know what came over me. Nothing. It was in you. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. So the truth is, we aren't sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. I'm going to say that again. We aren't sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. You guys get it? It's what we do. Dogs bark. Stink bugs fart. We sin. And because of our sin nature, we are, everybody say the word, condemned. Say it out loud. Condemned. Look at your neighbor and say, condemned. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Read the verse with me. It says, the wages of sin is death. Say it again. The wages of sin is death. And then Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Now read this out loud. All of us used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were deserving of God's judgment. So not even the fact that you committed the sins, the very fact of our own nature, we are worthy of death and of judgment. Because of our sin nature, we're deserving of death and judgment. Hell instead of heaven. Everybody say, ooh. We are doomed from the get-go. Guilty. Everybody say it out loud. What? Guilty. We aren't good and then we break bad. That's not what happens. We were always bad. We were born dead men walking. Look at your neighbor and say, dead men walking. I mean, they should have sent us home from the hospital with an orange jumpsuit. That's how God sees it. 
To us, they seem so innocent. But the nature of sin, the depravity is already there. And the judgment has already been, the sentence has already been issued. Condemned. That's why our Heavenly Father provided a rescue. Everybody said He provided a what? A rescue. We know the verse, John 3, 16 and 17. Let's read it. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be, and everybody say it, saved. saved. Woo! That, that was a good place to applause right there. That's the rescue. Salvation from eternal destruction. Jesus provided a get-out-of-hell-free card. Whoever believes in Jesus should not perish, but have everlasting life in heaven. Everybody say, get out of hell. Or say, goodbye hell, hello heaven. Go ahead and say it. Goodbye hell, hello heaven. He provided that. That's salvation. But wait a minute. Salvation is so much more than just that. Salvation doesn't only affect our future, secure heaven for us. Salvation affects our past. Everybody say, our what? Really? Salvation not only affects our future, but salvation affects our past. Listen. Our past doesn't always stay in the past, does it? I mean, our past tends to follow us around like salsa breath after Taco Tuesday. You know what I'm saying? The air of guilt, regret, shame. It tries to hang around, discouraging you, harassing you, condemning you. Isn't that the truth? But salvation includes forgiveness from the past. I love this. Our rap sheet, the list of crimes and offenses that we had, was nailed to the cross, the Bible says. God dealt with our sins. Here's some verses. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. Read it with me. God forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us, the rap sheet, and took it away, everybody, by nailing it to the cross. That's awesome. All right. It gets better. Psalm 103.12. God, He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the West. And Micah 7.19, Lord, You tread our sins beneath Your feet. You throw them into the depths of the ocean. And it goes on, to never be remembered ever again. <laughs> Woo! So listen, guys, your sins have been, our sins, have, salvation deals with our path. Our sins have been dealt with. So now that our sins have been dealt with, we can tell 
guilt and shame and regret and self-condemnation. It's time to hit the road. Goodbye. Farewell. So long. Go ahead and wave. Oh, go ahead and wave. Come on, let's wave. Vaya con Dios. Good luck. Wish you well. Don't go away slow. Or I'll have to go get my ammo. And bury you with a backhoe, right? <laughs> hey. Everybody wave, hey, guilt, condemnation, shame of our past. It's over. You don't have to allow it to consume you, to discourage you. That's great news right there, salvation. Woo! All right. Okay. So salvation will affect our future. It secures heaven for us. Salvation will affect our past forgives it. And salvation will affect our present. It regenerates it. Everybody said it what? It regenerates it. Salvation provides this. Everybody said out loud, what is it? New birth. Say it again. New birth. There's an old nature in there. We already know that. But salvation provides a new nature regeneration. Jesus called it being born again. The Apostle Paul called it or explained it as being a new creation. Both Jesus and Paul explained that a new spirit is born inside of us and it has the nature of God. Alright, so, so listen. This new spirit within us as the nature of God. So what it does is it cries out to God, Abba, Father. That new nature wants to get closer to God. It wants to know more about God. That's one of the first evidences that you are truly born again. That you are truly a new creation. That there's truly a new spirit within is that you desire to get close to God. You desire to know more about God. That new spirit hungers and thirsts for righteousness. It wants to do right now. And it's sensitive to sin. Now sin begins to bother it. It feels like the rumble strips on the highway when we sin. It doesn't stop you always from sinning, but you certainly can't sin with impunity. You certainly can't sin with gusto. You know what I'm saying? That new spirit, it, it becomes sensitive to sin. And then something else that it does, that new spirit within us, it begins to soften the stingy and the grumpy heart. Look at your neighbor and say he's probably talking about you right now. Just look at him and tell him. It begins to do that. So if you've ever wanted to know the tell signs of a true believer, those are them. Wants to be closer to God. Wants to know more about God. Hungers and thirsts to do right. Is sensitive to sin. Is bothered by it. Is being softened when they're stingy and they're grumpy. So There it is. Look at your neighbor and give him a high five and say, that's me. Woo! 
So salvation affects our present. It regenerates a new spirit within us. But salvation also affects our standing with God. Everybody said our what? Our standing with God. You see, the world treats ex-cons with suspicion and prejudice. Hmm? But not God. The world does that, but not God. Say it out loud. But not God. The Bible says that at salvation, we are, here's the big word, $10 word, everybody say it, justified. What does it mean? Just as if I'd never sinned. Isn't that cool? Exonerated. Cleared. Made righteous. All right? I mean, listen, the world might pull their kids close to them whenever you're around. They might get their valuables and stick them in their pockets. God, He justifies you. He treats you as if you never sinned, exonerated, cleared, and made righteous. Positional righteousness. Not because you've done anything to be righteous, but positional righteousness. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it's not on the board, sorry, but listen to it and jot it down. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For God took the sinless Christ and poured into Him our sins. Then in exchange, He poured Christ's righteousness into us. Wow. So once saved, God treats us just the same as He does His Son, Jesus Christ. Woo! That's pretty cool. So, now we know that we all need salvation. We know that salvation affects our future, our past, and our present. So how do we get it? How do we attain this salvation? Well, Jesus used a parable or a story to tell us how we get it. Luke chapter 18, verse 9, here it is. Also, Jesus spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Here's the story. Jesus said, Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Our time with you is coming to an end today on The Simple Truth. We're so glad that you joined us for Pastor Dion's teaching in the Gospel of Luke. There's much more to learn from this narrative of Jesus' life, so we hope you'll tune in again. If you're listening in the Española area right now, we'd like to extend an invitation for you to join us for our weekly services at Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. 
Come by at 9 or 11 a.m. to spend time with us in worship, Bible study, and fellowship with one another. We also meet on Wednesday evenings for a Bible study beginning at 7. You'll find directions and more information about Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel when you visit tmcalvary.com. If you can't make it in person, you can still join us virtually through Facebook Live. Just follow the link to our Facebook page at tmcalvary.com and tune in this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. While you're at our website, you'll also be able to access our archive of previous teachings on various books of the Bible by Pastor Dion. Just click on Sermons at the top of the page to open our audio archive or visit our YouTube page to experience the service through video. Feel free to share these links with anyone in your life that you think would benefit from hearing the simple truth of God's Word. We're so glad that you joined us today on The Simple Truth. We encourage you to read ahead in the book of Luke and discover more about Jesus and what his life and ministry means to you. Then join us next time for Pastor Dion's continuing verse-by-verse study right here on The Simple Truth. You're the one that we proclaim. We'll be fools for you as you work in us. May your power show in the deeds we sow. Let us join our hands and together we stand. Together.